Hi, I'm Autumn. And I'm Bethany. And we are A to B Podcast, working on getting from point A to point B through simplicity, organization, and some fun. I'm laughing because your expression when you said simplicity organization, it was like you're really searching for some simplicity right now. Well, I was thinking, you know, that simplicity part that we share, it's very important because that's the decluttering part. And, you know, you can't organize clutter. You've got to start with simplifying the simplicity, the decluttering, which is what we did with your bookshelves. Okay, wait, before we get to our bookshelves, <laughs> I also thought that it kind of meant, you know, your philosophy with your space for living organizing. You're not trying to make things look picture perfect. You're trying to make like systems and structures that... Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Keeping it simple, right? Not making it too complicated. For sure. You're like, where are you going to put that? Nope, you're not going to do that. You're not going to use it. Don't put a lid on it. You're not going to use it. Get rid of the lid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Get rid of the lid. It's, yeah, it's all connected. And you got to have a little fun while you're doing it. It's funny we're having this conversation on episode 46. Maybe we should have clarified that, huh? When? <laughs> it was just, you know, coming to me. <laughs> all right, let's get to our bookshelves. I have been bursting from the scenes to talk about this. And if yes. you read the show notes from last episode, episode 45, you would have seen a sneak peek because I was too excited not to share. <laughs> That we had a Skype session. <laughs> okay, so some people may not know this, but Autumn does virtual sessions with her organizing business. So usually, you know, she goes out and works one-on-one -on -one with a client, but the virtual session is something that I know she does. I get a lot of like phone coaching. <laughs> this was pretty fantastic. We had like a real organizing session. Do you remember last episode, listeners, when she said, we're going to have a Skype session and you're going to pull off every book and I'm going to tell you why you should get rid of it. Well, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited that we actually made it happen, the Skype session, because I think we had it scheduled for the day before and something happened. Do you remember? Yeah, what did I do? You said, I Skyped you, but then I went and texted, and then I needed to take a nap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did Skype you, and I didn't reach you. And so then I texted you, like, I just tried to Skype, and instead of trying a second time, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> but fortunately, you were very generous, and you rescheduled. I had my sneakers on. I had my coffee. I had my breakfast. I was, like, ready. I was like, no, we are doing this. And I'm going to make sure that I'm revved up and ready. Yes. My heart sank a little bit with the first cancellation. So oh. I was worried that it wasn't going to happen again. But next day, there she was, ready to Skype. I was very impressed with how many books you were able to get rid of. And I shared a picture on the show notes page from last week because I, I, I wanted to record and add a little bonus ending because I was so excited yeah. about it. But I didn't. I said, <laughs> we wait to talk about it today. But then you got rid of so many books. Okay. Now. Wait, the answer is yes. Yes, I did. I did get rid of a lot yes, of books. Yes. Yes. I have gotten rid of so many, but well, they're not technically out of the house yet. They are by the door. And I have only out of that, like, I don't know how many. There were a lot. What? Like over a hundred. That you're donating? Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. More than a hundred. I only took four out of that pile. Okay. You're going to have to show me <laughs> which four you took because I got to okay these. So did those four go into your to read section, like that you're planning on yes. reading? 
Yes. Okay. So when we were Skyping, what I think worked really well was we decided to set a limit. So we decided to set a limit of how many books Bethany hasn't read yet, but she wants to keep until she gets a chance to read them. And I think that was like 40, right? I think we originally said 20, but I think it crept up. (laughs) I think I said 20 and you said 40. I think that's how it was. But the point is that there was a limit set that felt reasonable and you definitely had way more books than 40 that you were hoping to read eventually to start out with. Yeah. And then we also sorted like with like, so poetry books were all in one pile and the self-help books. Once you actually get in there, there was more you realized that you could get rid of. And it helped to see all the self-help books together because then you're like, well, really, how many of these do I really need? And picked your favorite. (laughs) It was really nice, actually, because when I had moved in, I just kind of put in my books, just getting them out of the boxes onto the shelf. As we pulled them off, I really did, like Autumn was like, nope, don't put it back. Let's go put it in this section. So I really do have a little self-help section. I have an Oprah section, not just with the magazines, but my books about Oprah and by Oprah. I have books that are related to teaching. It is true that once you see them all together, like once I saw, here are my teaching books together, there really is that, all right, I can let go of some of these. You know, I kept the ones that I do reference or that I do Mm -hmm really love or I'm excited to read. And then there were quite a lot that I said goodbye to. So dance was one of my majors and I had tons and tons of books on modern dance and on choreography. And and what was interesting, you made a really good point. You said you still love dance very much. You still love choreography. You still love this, but this is not what your career is. And I think that that was helpful to think about. You know, I kept the books that I treasure, but then the books that I used to use when I was in my dance major or when I was choreographing and teaching dance classes and theater classes, a lot of those I could say goodbye to. I didn't quite realize that I was ready to let some of those go. So thank you for encouraging me. And I listened back to that episode and I sound a little whiny, (laughs) but I'm being honest. We did get this really nice email from this listener who said, I really appreciate that you are so vulnerable and honest. Yes, we got that great email from Christy. She is an organizer from Simple Solutions Organizing, and she just... Yeah, thank you for being so relatable because we've all been in moments like that. But Christy also left us this great tip of something that she's done with her clients when they have an item that they think they will use or they're not sure if they want to say goodbye to it yet. They put it in a box and then they put the date on the box. It could be six months or a year, whatever you decide is reasonable. Then you go back to that box and decide if it's time or not. And what usually happens is that you haven't even thought about that box if it's books or whatever before. I know I've done this with kids' toys. Not really told them about it, but put some toys out in the garage and, you know, in three to six months if they haven't mentioned it, I know that we could say goodbye to it. And sometimes they mention a toy and I go back out to the box and grab it for them. (laughs) Ruthless. Ruthless. Uh, But if you are thinking about going through your library, my first tip is to call Autumn. <laughs> but but here are some tips that I thought worked really well. One, we had a set time. We had said, okay, we're going to work for this hour. And it ended up being longer than that. But the main focus was we're going to go shelf by shelf. Yeah. You know, if I look at all of my bookshelves and all of the books, it was getting overwhelming. So we went shelf by shelf. And all I had to do was focus on those 20-something books that are on that shelf. And I really did. You had me pull everything down 
from there so I could actually look at the books and make a decision and sort it. So I was basically sorting it into donate or a couple of them that I wanted to gift. And there was like one or two books that I wanted to sell. So you, you were like really trying to keep me focused, which was great. But if you don't have an organizer that's coaching you through, what do you say, Autumn? Well, sometimes there's a tendency to want to gloss through. So if you look at one book and instead of forcing yourself to make the decision, you start going to the next book under the pile and the next book under the pile, and you haven't made a decision about any of these 10 books that you just looked through. And that's when you start feeling overwhelmed. So you really have to force yourself, hold that one book, make a decision before you move on to that next book that's underneath it. Don't just gloss through your piles. And that was helpful for me. I did try to, uh, oh, those are fine. Those are fine. And you're like, nope, look, go look at them. Nope. Go grab them. You sure did try to do that. (laughs) Many times. Well, one, I want to celebrate that I did make room for my fiance's books. All of the books are up. As we were working through the books, I just kept trying to hold that thought of why am I doing this, you know? And another side bonus, number two, was that in addition to him having the space for his books, now my bookshelves are so pretty. (laughs) They're like, they're not overstuffed anymore because I had them like crammed full and there were books stacked in front of books. It was it was a, lot. a little out of control. Yeah. So now my bookshelves are not only organized, but I can see all of the titles and just feels a lot better. So thank you. You're welcome. And they're sorted by topic too. It's like a real little library. After we shared the great news. Well, now it's time for an update for our summer organizing challenge. Our photos. I should get a little music that's like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Last episode, we identified the problem, which is that we have really talked about it a lot and had never set aside a time to actually do it. And then we set aside the time in our calendar and made a specific measurable chunk to work yes. on. But what happened was that time in the calendar was taken by our virtual organizing session over Skype. Yeah. So it was replaced by a higher priority item that was in your face, needed to be taken care of right then. And maybe that's the problem with photos, right? Is that they can just be swept to the side. Right. We need to ask Molly about this. (laughs) You know, I'm really proud of, well, myself, the work we did. As you should be. I think the point is that it's good to be honest that these challenges are challenges for a reason because otherwise we're not going to get it done. Our podcast was supposed to be our accountability partner and we're still not getting it done. So what's our strategy for this next episode? Do we have one? Because in this next two weeks, I don't have any time to work on photos. So there's the strategy is to be realistic. Like in this moment, accept that it is not a higher priority over this trip you're taking with your family. Mm-hmm. What if you made it like a goal that the pictures that you take on this trip, which will be minimal, <laughs> that right away you do something with those photos and not let those photos linger. Because you know how she was talking about working with the photos that are most current. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know how many photos I will be taking on this trip? I know the answer and it's going to be like zero, maybe one. Because every time she goes on a trip, I say, oh, let's see your pictures. She goes, mm, I didn't take any pictures. <laughs> my husband takes most of the pictures. So pictures of her family are pretty much from my husband. I don't know how he's organizing his photos, but he's got all our family pictures. Well, what about you for the next two weeks? Can you pencil in on your calendar? Yes, I am going to make time for it next week. So I'm going to put it in to make sure I've uploaded my pictures and to start sorting the May and June. Yes. 
I'm doing like broad categories, like pictures of outside, pictures on our field trip, you know. Yeah, but do you really even need to do those broad categories? Just leave it May and June. Oh. That's what Molly said to do. I didn't even think about that because I think I was thinking of it a little more sorted than that. No, they don't need to because they don't take pictures by the topic. They only take pictures whether or not their child is in them. Yeah. So they're just going to like scan the thumbnails and grab the ones that they Mm -hmm. want. For the pictures that I've received from teachers, I look at the whole event and then save to my computer the single one that my child is in and that's it. Well, you know what? This is a really good point though for next year. So that's what I need to do is monthly, Mm -hmm. I need to put them in a folder and just say, here are photos from September. That's it. Not sorted. Just here are photos from September. Enjoy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And then you can get them off your phone and so you can take other pictures. Yes. <laughs> Bethany's always like, my phone is full. <laughs> I know. I know. I I told Autumn, I said, well, what if we're somewhere and then like all of a sudden Oprah's there and I want to take a picture. Mm, phone's full. I think you could find a, a photo to delete. It's got to be ready. It's got to be. <laughs> Maybe that's my new launch thing <laughs> for photos. <laughs> Just like, remember The Walking Dead for getting gas? It's like, what if Oprah comes? You need to have your phone ready. Yes. And charge for the photo. For the photo. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I found this article. I'm so excited to share it with you, Bethany, because it got me thinking in a whole new way about productivity. It is by Ramit Sethi, and he is like a life coach, entrepreneur type, and this is on his blog. It got me thinking about what we talk about, you know, here on this podcast. Maybe we're approaching this all wrong here. What? (laughs) Maybe we're focusing on the wrong things when it's coming to productivity. Like the details about what apps you're using, about making your to-do list just right, that type of stuff. Oh, but before you tell me, I do need to tell you that I have finally found an app that I'm excited to use about to-dos right now. Let's just go on this side topic real quick. You're like, we may be approaching it all wrong. Ooh, speaking of which, I found an app I like you. Because <laughs> you were using Wonderlist. Yeah, and I still have my Wonderlist account because I have someday maybe lists on there. But I started using this app called Google Keep. Oh, yeah, I use that app. You do? Wait a second. Yeah, I do, but I don't really use it for to-do lists. Yeah, wait, what do you mean you don't use it for your to-do list? What do you use it for? I use it mostly for like design ideas for my home. So like if I see something like in a magazine, it's almost like my own little private Pinterest board. So like I snap pictures out of magazines. I snap pictures of the plant that I have in my yard <laughs> at Home Depot. So I remember the name of the plant. It's basically where I keep the pictures that I snap that are for reference as opposed to oh. with my family pictures. Well, this app is kind of like Google's version of Evernote where you can like make your list, but then you can pin articles and pin pictures. I actually used that feature for the first time. I was visiting my cousin and she was telling me about this hair product she uses and I took a picture of it and I figured out how to add it to the list. So I like added it to my shopping list and had a picture of it. I was so excited about this feature, but that's actually kind of a good idea because I take a lot of screenshots and now I'm thinking maybe this would be a good place to keep them. Yeah, because Mm. then you don't have to scroll through all your other pictures and you can just go straight to your reference pictures. Yeah, I have a list here that says home, one that says shopping. I have a list that was for a meeting for my principal. And each one is a separate list and you can pin it so it comes up to the top if you want. I now have a list for the wedding. You're liking this better than Wonderlist. 
I am. And I think it's because I can see the lists side by side. Something about the visual layout of it, it's making me feel like I kind of have a bigger sense of some of these to-dos. But this is my second month using it. And I'm using it during the summer when my to-do lists look very different than school. But now that you say maybe we're approaching it all wrong, this conversation may change my (laughs) view of apps. So you mentioned apps. And of course, I realized I hadn't told you about this app that I'm using. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this article got me thinking because we have spent so much time on like little details. And maybe we need to go back to the foundation. So the whole point of this article is focusing on those little details are very minor when it comes to being productive. You have this foundation of these basic fundamental things that are supporting your productivity and the details and how you do things and are just minor cogs in the wheel towards your productivity. But wait a second. When I spend like an hour looking up to-do list apps, I sure do feel like I was productive. I know, but really, maybe you're just procrastinating. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Like, well, the app doesn't do the work. Yeah, exactly. He has this visual, and we'll put it in the show notes, of a triangle. And so at the base of the triangle are these four basic items that you need to take care of first and foremost. And then on top of that is the psychology, like why you're doing this, the motivation behind it. And then at the tippy top of the triangle is just the details. It sounds like a food pyramid to me. Yeah, a little bit of the food pyramid where your most important, now they put veggies and fruit at the bottom, are like the base, the foundation, what you build your house on is at the bottom and all the others are like extras, nice to have, tastes good type stuff. Hang on, let me go in this article. Okay. So one of the first basic things that he talked about is getting eight hours of sleep, which everybody, you know, you hear about it and you're like, yeah, 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 sleep, that's nice. And you kind of just like gloss over it. Wait a second. He says every night. (laughs) Consistency is the key. Can I tell you the first thing that I thought when you just said that? I was like, but wait, but what does getting eight hours of sleep have to do with me checking items off my to-do list? Like, and I almost said that. And then as I was saying the words, I was like, wait, everything. Because when I'm exhausted, all I want to do is sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Because I know just sleep is sometimes hard for you because sometimes I feel like you're more of a night owl where I am like, yeah. this is my bedtime and I'm going to bed. And I say no to a lot of activities because I want to go to bed on time. You're really good at that. You're really good at prioritizing your sleep. In fact, I felt a little guilty because last weekend I came to your house and I kept you up talking and it was getting later and later and I was wide awake. And I look over and I'm like, oh, yeah, you've got to get up really early with a small child. Well, I wanted to stay up talking with you. That's where it's hard. And then when I woke up the next morning, man, I sure was grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And then I felt bad because I slept in. You only slept in an hour past me, so you didn't sleep in that much. But okay, (laughs) I know it's so easy to stay up late. Well, and I think, too, when I get home from work, sometimes I get home really late and I don't know then I feel like okay I'm, I'm home all these things that I want to do with really I have to go to bed you know like if I get home at nine o'clock nine thirty or whatever well no that doesn't mean I stay up for another two and a half hours it means well go to bed <laughs> you know yeah. and that's hard because then it feels like and I love my job but then it feels like okay I went to work I came home I went to bed I did it again you know I know but that's kind of what it is I know. So what he's saying is like you have to make sure you have that foundation or those core pieces in place 
in order to be able to do any of these other things that you want to do. Well, just think if you were well rested all during the week and went to bed on time, just think what your weekends would look like. You wouldn't feel exhausted going into your weekend like you all you wanted to do is nap the whole weekend. Yeah. No, because that's what happens. Yeah, and then your weekend becomes the time when you're puttering around the house and having a good time and you don't need a nap during the middle of the day because you've been well rested all through the week. This is a new way of thinking about it. I mean, for me anyway, because when I think about productivity and getting things done, the first thing that comes to mind is not sleep. Just the same way that when I think of making dinner, my first thing that comes to mind is not vegetables. But that's on the bottom of the food pyramid. This is on the bottom of his pyramid. And he's talking about that is the foundation on which you are building your house of, I don't know. Well, a lot of times it can feel unproductive, right? Especially if you have kids and you put the kids to bed and you're like, okay, well now I got to do all my chores. So how lazy of me to go to bed. But in reality, like I put my kids to bed and then I go to bed because, well, one, I work better in the mornings anyway, but it's not being lazy or luxurious to get a full eight hours of sleep. This is what your body needs. And until you get that, you won't be able to conquer the other things of your day. And you know, if you have a really tiny little kid, we're not talking to you because <laughs> this is like a short season of life where you are not getting sleep and it's really hard, but it won't last forever. Okay. So realistically, I leave my house. I have a far commute for my job. So I want to leave the house at 6. So that's like 5.15, which means I will have to go to bed at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. No. (laughs) But no, realistically, I'd have to go to bed like 9, 9.30. Yeah, that's pretty much my bedtime. (sighs) Here's the thing. It doesn't need to be 100%. Like even if you got this 80% of the time, it would make a real difference. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so now how do we set in place systems that will encourage us to get eight hours of sleep? Like one of mine that I put myself on a Netflix restriction during the week because if I start watching Netflix, like I will just keep watching the movie. (laughs) So I can't do it because then I'll stay up to 11 watching the video. I don't feel tired. Like the light keeps me awake. I know I just can't do it. I'm not 100% at that. Like right now, I've been watching some Netflix during the week. But that's like my ultimate goal to hit that about 80% of the time. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I don't do this personally, but another thing that I've heard other people do is when they're doing their bedtime routine with their kids, like brushing their teeth and getting in their PJs, they do it at the same time as their kids. So once they put their kids to bed, you're getting in that mode to go to sleep too. Instead of what I know my friend tells me that she puts the kids to bed at like eight and then she goes and works for another like three or four hours. Well, I think that's something important to talk about, though, too. Some people just have to work after they put their kids to bed, especially if you have energy levels where you do great work at night. But if you find yourself being a morning person, all I will do is put her around at night. Like I won't be productive at night once I put my kids to bed. If you have more productive hours in the morning like I do, so I need to do that mental thinking time in the morning. Okay, that makes sense. If you set an alarm on your phone, would you just ignore it for your bedtime? At nighttime? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe, you know, maybe I would set an alarm that said... Ready, set, wind down or something like that. Like it's some... Yeah, but would you just ignore it if it went off? And you'd be like, oh, that's a nice idea. I'm going to keep watching this. (laughs) Well, no, I... 
I really like the idea of being more intentional about it. And I do end up spending most of my weekend trying to catch up on sleep. And so I can see how this would flip that script and say, well, then on the weekends, if you want to be more productive, if you want to work on that project, if you want to go out and do something fun, you know, you'll have more energy for it. You can kind of like ease into it for the fall and set your little bedtime alarm, just like we do for our kids (laughs) when it's like, oh, time to start having a bedtime again. Okay, my bedtime right now is like one thirty, so tomorrow it'll be one fifteen, and then yeah. you know, just right. keep working. sleep. That's just the first basic fundamentals he's talked about. We, there's three more that Ramit talks about in his article. I'm ready. Okay, the next one he stresses the importance of having a clean, clear of clutter space that helps you mentally, you know, work on those projects. I think we've talked about this a lot. If around you is disorganized and feels chaotic, you know, your mind is going to be like, okay, what do I work on next? It just feels overwhelming. Even when we were in college, like I needed to straighten up and tidy up a little bit before I could like sit down and start working on a paper. I remember. And I said, what are you doing? You're like, I got to clean and then I can focus. You know, I think maybe that's why I have a tendency to go somewhere else. Like I'll go to a coffee shop or somewhere to do when I have to do a lot of writing because I, it is like this clean space, mm-hmm. you know, and instead, because if I'm home, I it is really easy to get distracted. Yeah, you look around and see all these like visual tasks that are yelling at your brain. Yeah. But I need to be careful because sometimes I can use it as a procrastination tactic. I could clean my house all day to avoid doing whatever it is that I need to do. Right. He talks about the luxury of hiring someone to clean. He feels that it's so important that it's worth it to him to hire somebody so that he could spend his focused energy on other things. But obviously, if you don't have it in your budget to hire somebody, we've talked about a 10-minute pickup, which I do with my whole family that just straightens up things a little bit. Not perfect, but straightens it up enough. Even spending like the 10-minute Tuesdays where we talk about 10 minutes just focused on a small space to organize I like that idea of working together for 10 minutes just to tidy up or clean up an area and you're moving it forward. But by the end of the week, you've made a real dent. Right. He's saying that having that clean space is one of the fundamentals that's going to like support your productivity, right? Mm -hmm. Think about how many times cleaning is brought into the forefront of your mind. Like, oh, I need to clean my house. If you get that system in place where it doesn't feel like a chore that's constantly on your list. One of the things I love is having a set day for things. So you'd say, oh, I need to clean my bathroom. But you know, hey, I clean it on Saturday. So yeah, I could clean it now, but it's going to be cleaned on Saturday. So it's checked off your list until Saturday. Right. Mentally, it's off of you. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. We have a laundry room in in my condos, and so I have a reserved time on Saturday morning. Sometimes it is nice to have that set time. Like, no, I'm doing it on Saturday, and it's just... Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So the next basic thing, I bet you could guess this one because we've been talking about it for... Well, now I looked on the article, food, True, right? yeah, meal planning. So we've talked about meal planning in episode 44 and episode 43, and the idea of planning out your meals just takes that extra decision-making out of your day. So it's set for you. It's not taking up your mental energy. I really like the conversations we've had about meal planning, creating those systems that are going to support you. You know, you and I have talked about how to make it a little more automated during the week so that I'm not scrambling like, what am I having for lunch? What am I having? Because I do get up so early. I just want to be able to know what I'm doing and going, Mm -hmm. you know, and he, you know, it looks like he, wow, this is what he has somebody to clean his house. He has a chef. 
This is really nice. <laughs> I don't think it's a chef. It's it's like a meal service that brings you meals. Oh, oh, okay. What he's saying, so if you don't have that, you can meal prep. I'm actually thinking of Sam from Simply Organized and how beautiful her fridge is every week. It's all like laid out. It's organized. She knows what to grab. Yeah. My fridge isn't going to look as gorgeous as hers, but I can have it much more organized and stocked for myself. And I think reminding yourself that it doesn't have to be 100%. Just think if you had your meal planned 80% of the time or even prepped 80% of the time. It doesn't need to be 100%. All right, I'm getting behind this fundamentals idea. (laughs) The next basic thing that he talks about totally relates to me because I've found this true about my own self is having a schedule or a rhythm to the day because it takes out, okay, what am I doing now? It's that extra decision making that takes energy away and it leaves this open time where you can fill it with off tangent tasks that you don't even realize you're doing like searching on your phone. Whereas if you have a schedule or a plan, you know exactly what you're doing next. You know, one of my favorite things that we do when we interview somebody, ask them what their mornings are like. I love it. And I had really broken the habit of rolling over, grabbing my phone and checking my email. I broke that habit. And then this summer, I have let myself fall back into it. And it's so easy to get sucked in. The next thing you know, you've been lying in bed looking at Instagram for the last 30 minutes or longer. So I think that having that routine or that schedule, that makes a lot of sense to me why that would be a fundamental. Yeah. And we talk about that too, of you have this set time where you're going to get those to-dos done. Like you just mentioned with your cleaning schedule, you know on Saturday, that's going to happen then. Or my laundry, that's going to happen then. You've looked at your calendar I don't know. It makes me think of like the energy, like when you have the most, like you said, you don't have energy at night to do these tasks Mm -hmm. and that's just going to be a waste of your time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a specific detailed schedule. It can be more of a general idea. So one thing that I have in my mind is Wednesdays is my desk day. So I work on paperwork. So it's like paying bills. Got it. You know, other types of things like that. And so I don't have a specific list of, hey, this is what I work on Wednesday at 9 a.m. It's more of a block schedule, like an opening. Or, you know, during the summer, Thursdays are our outing days. So it can change. It can vary. But it's kind of like a block of this is the time I have set aside for this. I know we talked about one time before having a specific day for errands. Right. I don't do this personally, but someone had a specific day of the week where they always schedule their appointments on that day of the week. It makes it so you do have kind of a rhythm. And that consistency really does bring grounding to your life a little bit, knowing what's coming and when and, and I think it's important to remember that everybody has a rhythm in your day, whether you realize it or not, whether it's intentional or it has just become a bad habit, you have kind of a routine that you do. Like if you come home and I know one bad routine I've got into the habit of is like eating dinner and then sitting on the couch and then never getting back up again. <laughs> it's like that. Oh, that is a rhythm. Yeah, that's a routine. Right. Yeah. And if you aren't intentional about when you're going to maximize your energy levels, then it's so easy to fall into the bad habits. Well, that's the same with that rolling over and grabbing my phone. That is a rhythm. That's like starting off my day. That's the habit I wanted to break because I'm like, this is a routine. It can become so automated Mm -hmm. that you're not paying attention to it. So it really is about being intentional, noticing it first. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, right, the goal is that these become so automated, these great habits become so automated. It's like, well, yeah, 930 is my bedtime. It just is, you know? Yeah, and I definitely have a rhythm to my morning. But again, going back to the fact, 
it doesn't happen 100% of the time, right? There's some mornings where I oversleep and I don't get that extra time to work in before the kids wake up. But the next day is a new day and you can start again. So you can fall out of your rhythm. It's just knowing that it's there. You can get back into it a little quicker. It actually makes me think of your home, how when you say, oh, you're going to do a pickup or a cleanup, the things in your home have a place. Your home gets a little cluttered or, you know, things are in disarray. Your counter starts filling up, but you know where these things go. You can fall out of it. Like you said, it's not going to be perfect every day, but you can come back to that fundamentals that you've established. So I really like that. I do. I'm sure you've experienced this in your own classroom where schedules are so important to them because then they know like, okay, we do this first in the morning, then this comes next, then this comes next. Oh, yeah. I have to prep them yeah. the day before to say tomorrow is going to be a little different. In the morning, we're not going to do, you know, whatever it is. Like I have to give them a heads up because they really are comforted by that schedule. And so am I. You know, I need to read that book, Everything I Learned from Life I, I Learned in Kindergarten. Yeah. I need to find that book. <laughs> I'm sure he talks about routines and schedules in there because it is comforting. I know. And even for littles, you know, before kindergarten and beyond, that routine is comforting and it can ground you and like prep you to be productive in the other areas of your life. So he goes on to talk about the psychology of being productive, but I feel like he's missing one of the basics. Something that I've found really helps my productivity. You ready? Well, I think it's going to be running. Well, I think exercise in general, I think is so important to me and my own productivity. I know if I haven't exercised in a while, you know, I'm dragging. I feel like something's missing. When I was in college and I was feeling stressed because I had this big paper to write or I had a big exam coming up, my dad would always be like, okay, well, first thing you do, make sure you go out for a run, kind of help you with your stress level. And I feel like that is so true because you get outside, your heart gets beating faster, your mind gets clearer. And I think it's scientifically proven that you have like chemicals (laughs) rushing to your brain during... I think there's one or two research articles (laughs) on it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whether it's running or whatever exercise it is, just something else that kind of gets your heart beating. You know, even just a nice fast walk outside will get you up and your blood pumping to refocus on what you're working on. So if these are the cores, if this is like the fundamentals, the base of that pyramid... I think one thing that's helpful is remembering it doesn't have to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. But what would you say is the area where you could support a little bit more? I think definitely sleep is still something that, you know, I'm probably there more about 60% of the time. So I have to still kind of get on myself when I get back into my bad habits. And that sleeping in comes so easily, even when I know my most productive time is in the morning. And I love that time when it's quiet in the house. It's just continuing to focus on going to bed at the right time. But I love that you asked me that question because that was what I was going to ask you is on these basics, Bethany, what are we going to focus on? Oh, I got them all down. (laughs) You're set. (laughs) I definitely feel like I could tweak all of these areas. But in terms of focusing, for me, I'm still really thinking about our last couple episodes about meal planning, because I really liked some of the ideas that you had that I can do to make the meal planning a little bit more simplified for myself. So I think that's the area of kind of trying to automate, you know, okay, even though it's summer, I still go to the grocery store on this day, I still 
prep my meals or I still think about it ahead because that's something that especially during the summer slips, but I want to get into that routine so that I'm ready for fall. Okay. What day do you go to the grocery store on? Right now, it's like mm, when I run out of eggs or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> what about during the school year? Usually, it was Tuesdays. So what if you just keep it on Tuesdays during the summer? Yeah, I could do that. What's today? Today's Wednesday. Today's oh, Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. I know. I'm just getting you, <laughs> you to, the store. To, go to the grocery store. <laughs> okay, we have our fundamentals that we're going to work on. And we'll link this article, too, because I think it is an interesting article. I'm not familiar with his website, but uh, he's kind of no-nonsense. He kind of doesn't mess around. He's kind of like, I don't have time to worry if I hurt your feelings. I'm going to tell you what works best for me. You know, try it. <laughs> But there were some great tips and it was something that had us both thinking about productivity in a new way. So we wanted to share that with you. If you have any fundamentals that you find really push your own productivity, we'd love to hear about it. You can share with us through our email, hello at awpodcast.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 858-480-SPACE. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at A to B Podcast. And thank you so much to those of you who have subscribed and left a review. It really helps us get the word out to others about our podcast. And if you haven't yet, please tell a friend about our podcast. That would be a great way to kind of get the word spread. And we would also love it if you took a minute and left us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye. What's on the top of the food pyramid? The desserts and the sweets. Oh, yeah. Do you know that even Cookie Monster is saying that cookies are a sometimes food? I wonder how many episodes you've mentioned Cookie Monster in. I feel like it's comparative to Oprah. (laughs) Cookies are a sometimes food.